Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. This is episode 156. Today, I'm joined by my temporary guest host, Adam Charles. <laughs> yeah, what is up, kid? Yeah, it's so funny you say that. You're like, today I'm joined by an, in my head, I was thinking, like, who else is he going to say? And <laughs> a little, the little diggy through in there. Yes, yes, temporary guest host. I've been guest hosting for 156 episodes, but uh, I just received my redundancy payout. It was $0. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, Kieran, what is up? 156. Uh, man, before we go any further, I um, just want to mention something off the back of last week's episode, which was 155. It was the second episode of our recurring segment where we do every 10 episodes, we go do a bit of a deep dive on techniques that Kieran and I have been focusing on for that period of time. And it was quite funny because the first episode, the first one of those we did, 145, was Choi Bars. And then 155, we had ideas of where it was going to go. Well, I knew what Kieran was going to talk about, but then as the episode started, he was like, man, but I just went down the Choi Bar rabbit hole too. So yeah. we spoke a bit more about Choi Bars, which was really cool. And then a straight footlock. The reason I'm mentioning this is because anyone who's listened to the last few episodes might know that uh, Kieran and I both individually started new social media, not, not platforms, but channels, if you will. Like I started a personal Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Adam Childs, BJJ, where I just post little 30-second technique videos. Kieran started a strength podcast, which is uh, on his YouTube channel as well as Spotify and all that. It's on Spotify as well, right, but predominantly on YouTube, uh, which is on his YouTube, Kieran Lefebvre. But anyway, I had someone comment on one of my uh, Instagram little 30 second videos saying, Oh, it'd be sick. If you did a video on the straight footlock, I couldn't quite like essentially saying like, I could not for the life of me picture the way you were explaining it on the podcast. So this was obviously recent within the last seven days. Mm. And yeah, it's funny because I replied, Oh, I'll try, but maybe I'll have to actually make a full YouTube video. Like it's very hard to get, that I don't want to say level of detail, but it's so nuanced. Like it's it's a it's an adjustment of millimeters. And even when you're physically in the gym with people, they really can struggle to yeah. understand the breaking mechanic of that variation of a of a straight foot lock. Usually the best way that they get their head around it is you can't, you know, you kind of go, hang on, let me do one to you so you can feel how it's supposed to be breaking. And then that helps them get their head around it. And you've been through this, right? You've learned this footlock yeah. from me. But um, but yeah, I don't know if I'm quite ready to commit to full full YouTube videos, but um but yeah, we all also received an I also received another message about online content. I can't remember the exact question, but I said something along the lines of, yeah, Kieran and I plan to produce much more content when we're back in the same country together, you know, when that is at the moment with not only the logistics of being in different countries, so you really can't 
physically film something together, mm. the time zones and schedules. But we do have plans to produce more content when we're in the same <laughs> same time zone would help already. But when we're in the same time zone and same country, same city, we've got heaps of plans to make more online content for everyone. But, yeah, I just wanted to – and also say thank you to commenting on my – Shitty little Instagram video. Appreciate it. <laughs> hey, don't put your stuff down. It's good. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's only uh, Tuesday, bro. It's only right. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only Tuesday. Tuesday, what are we talking about? We are talking about kind of some some errors in jiu-jitsu and some um, – I don't want to say red flags, but some sort of don't do this, don't be that guy. Very common things that that I've seen, predominantly from beginners, but but not just restricted to beginners. So I've got five things I've jotted down, and I'm interested to hear what you think about my interpretation of. Look, I don't want to say like I don't want to label it as like these are the five most blah, 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 because there's a million bloody things that like, you know, for example, yeah. I didn't, I didn't write, don't be the dude who, you know, uh, like wears shoes on the mats or like, yeah, you know, yeah. doesn't put shoes on to go to the bathroom or, you know, yeah. like doesn't clip their nails or oh, there's like yeah, a million doesn't bloody wipe different. their ass and you, you smell their yeah. fucking farts and yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, I was, I was also, wondering. also, wait, you've just reminded me of something. Hang on. So I saw well, just a video came up in my feed that was um, just someone talking about a similar thing, actually, like a don't be this dude or, or avoid these mistakes, whatever. And he said, he said, if, oh, and guys, if, if you're like before training, if before training you take a shit, he's like, for the love of God, have a shower before you train, blah, 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 blah. And went on this rant and I was like, does this dude have an issue like wiping his ass or something? Like, I mean, I kind of get where he was going, but they went down this tangent of being like, you know, all these dudes with stinky asses, blah, blah, blah. Man, I could count on one hand and I've been training for over a decade, training in dirty scummy places in Brazil and training with scummy people in clean gyms in Australia. Like, you know, I yeah. could count on one hand the amount of times I've been rolling with someone and I've literally thought this dude didn't wipe his ass or this dude needed to shower. Like I've rolled with people where you're like, this dude needed to have a shower before yeah, coming oh yeah. Be yeah, because yeah. they, you know, whatever, maybe they just spent the whole day sweating or yeah. maybe they have, they work, they have a manual labor job and whatever. Yeah. But literally, yeah. I like I could maybe count on one hand the amount of times I've thought I've been rolling and specifically thought this dude's ass stinks. I cannot. I would need my hands plus your hands, my guy. I've What? <laughs> what? Yeah, Who? dude. Yeah. It's Who something is? that it's kind of embarrassing for those people. Um, but like I've rolled many a time where but maybe it's because you don't pressure pass as often as I do. <laughs> when you're in a fucking, you know, overrun the pass, your head is fucking, you know, it's not on their ass, but it's fucking close. And God damn, like when you're head dominant, passing guard, you fucking, you smell a lot of asshole, my guy. 
I, yeah. 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 I, I agree with that. If you take a shit before trading, that's so. That's yeah, so funny. Like, that is that know, is so like can't wipe their ass. So. <laughs> that is that is so funny. Like that's so two opposing views. Where like, yeah, but I mean, I agree with him. I'm I'm, I'm not him. I'm not saying. Yeah, I guess now hearing you say it, I'm not saying you or him are wrong. But it's just so interesting that it's that like you don't experience it. Yeah, I've, I don't know. Like man. I've, I've never it many times, and I've whiffed it, and you're like, "Fuck, can't you stink, bro?" Like shit. Yeah, do, like, yeah. Don't fuck. get me wrong. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you roll with people, and you're like, "This dude stinks." No, but there's you know, a but yeah, like, if like you smell body odor. That's one thing. It, everyone's, you know, I've I know guys. You know, I've trained with people that I I know that they've showered recently before training, and they it's still like poor after like you know a hard roll, but. You know, there's a big difference between smelling someone's body odor, between smelling someone like someone's literally ass. smells like shit, like literally, it's disgusting, it's fucking revolting, you know. And it's yeah, well, it's, it's such fun. a it's such a different experience, eh? Yeah, I've gotten it yeah, many, right. many times, and it's it's very, very <laughs> disgusting. Like it's way I'd rather, I'd much rather have a big, sweaty, salty, fucking crusty ass dude. Like you know, pin me down in in bloody you know mount or some shit, rather than like get a whiff of you know that. That's <laughs> bad. Yeah, fuck. Hey, yeah, crazy. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll pay. <laughs> well, actually, no, I won't pay more attention next time. I've gone, I've come no, this no, far no, 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 no. with it with it with, <laughs> with me not. Yeah, that's Living right. <laughs> come this far without noticing, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, but I mean, yeah. there's a big difference where my nose is literally fucking buried in their fucking ass. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's <laughs> not where I thought that conversation was going to go. Um, yeah. So let's let's go on. Let's um, let me talk about the first sort of um, look. Hard to say this is a mistake because I'm kind of gonna. This is going to be a point that I'm going to mention as a sort of fence sitting point, mm-hmm. which is going to be when you're new. I don't mean like day one new could apply, but like just when you're in that newer phase of jujitsu and I'm going to say the whole, you know, don't be or roll like a white belt spaz, but I also want to, the reason I'm fence sitting is also the not training hard enough. So I'm, I, I don't want to label this as a mistake. I more want to label this as me educating you on these two extremes so you can be neither of them, right? Because people are often one or the other. And spazzy white belt is the more like cliche. Yeah, the more cliche one. Mm -hmm. But the other extreme of that is not training hard enough, okay? And so spazzy white belt, I'm not going to talk about too much because most people listening would be familiar with that could do a whole episode. And we probably have about like, you know, how, how to know if you're a spazzy white belt or whatever, <laughs> but what isn't spoken about enough. I don't think is that people sometimes don't train hard enough and they're, they're a little too soft. And how many times have I said, guys, jujitsu, it's a full, contact combat sport like yes not every role not every day in the gym can be comp training guys much more important in jujitsu than us say that all the time like gordon ryan doesn't train like comp roles every single time he steps on the mat your body can't handle it and the dude's on gear and his body can't handle it you know so like 
you can't train like that all the time. But I'll give you a perfect example. And I know he'll listen to this episode. <laughs> Chad listened to one of our students. Chad listened to our last episode. Long, for, long story short. <laughs> yeah. Ch- so just really quick, really quick little tidbit for, for people not to get off track. Chad, one of my students, you know, best dude in the gym. You can't fault him at all. But you, I was telling an anecdote about like breaking. <laughs> about, you know, if someone breaks or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Chad messaged me and he's like, listen to the podcast. You can't break me, coach. See you Monday. And I was like, <laughs> I was like hell, hell yeah, my man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then he was there Monday and he went hard, bro. He was in a group wow. of three with, with Casper yeah. and this yep, other yep, – yep. This other white belt, I don't think you've met Ryan. He's a big dude. He's almost the size of Casper. He's like a rugby coach for one of the schools around here. Oh, nice, nice. Big dude, super keen, enthusiastic, you know, like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so I'll give you a perfect example. The, per- <laughs> the person I'm talking about now, not Chad, Lucas, right? So Lucas is a – how old's Lucas now? Sixteen, six. No, he's sixteen because I know because he doesn't have his uh, his P's yet, which is a type of license in Australia for a driving license for international listeners. Uh, so, Lucas is sixteen, white belt, trains pretty consistently. He's still in high school, so you know sometimes his training dips because of school. Right, fair enough. But I rolled with him the other day. And I was like, I was, and because Lucas will say things to me like, um, oh, coach, like, you know, roll hard with me. I want to be ready for the comp. I want you to push me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, 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 that's cool. But I was rolling with him and I said, man, like, and we're not talking about a one-week-old white belt. Lucas has been with me now for, I mean, before you left, right? So yeah. going on a year or something. Nearly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, I said, man, I like, I need you to try harder. I said, let me give you a perfect example, right? I said, let's say, for example, I have you in, I'm just going to really dumb this down, but let's say I have you in an armbar and I'm attacking an armbar. And when you go to the gym, the gym gym, I know that you can bicep curl, whatever, just fucking 20 kilos. I know you can do a bicep curl with, a t- I know that's a lot, I know, right, for, for most people, right? But I'm just, giving, I'm just giving a simple number. I'm like, let's say I know that in the gym you can do a 20 kilo bicep curl, right, for a set of five or something. You can do a 20 kilo Damn, bicep Lucas curl. Lucas is jacked. Lucas is jacked, right? And I'm like, but you're defending this arm bar with the amount of strength it takes to bicep curl three four kilos i said bro like you're you're not even trying like i mean it's like yes we're training but again in little air quotes like it's a it's a fight bro like like you got to you like you got to use your strength yes i'm not that's there's a big difference between that and like being a spaz you know and it and it's like yeah it's like the same thing like let's say you can do what are they called? Like, I'm, I'm sure there's multiple variations, but just generic hip thrusts or whatever when people have yeah, a barbell across the yeah, yeah, glute bridge, hip thrust. Maybe you can hip thrust whatever 100 kilos, but now you've got a 40 kilo, you know, partner on top of you and you can't even get your, your, your glutes off the mat from mount. Like, you can, like, of course you can. Like, mm. you know, man, you're not even trying. 
Mm. And so, like, I see both of these extremes, right? And this is what I'm saying about it being a mistake, but I'm not labeling it as the, like, you know, common mistake. I'm just pointing out the two because you don't want to be either. You don't want to be the spazzy white belt, right? It's kind of, to some degree, I think it's easier to deal from an instructor point of view with the spazzy white belt. It's kind of easier to tell someone to take it down a notch and they need to calm down and they need to think and whatever versus telling someone to like, hey, man, I want you to recruit more of your muscles and like push harder and whatever. But it's one of the things. Sorry, go on. I was just thinking back to when I first started training jiu-jitsu. Obviously, I haven't experienced, well, not obvious, but I, I've not experienced this mentality or mindset in a very, very long time. But I remember there was a period of time when I was pretty much a brand new white belt that when I was rolling with someone that I didn't, I, I knew I didn't have a chance with, like I knew I was going to get smashed, there would be that, you know, temptation or that little voice in my head that told me not to try because I, it's futile. You know what I mean? I know I'm going to get pumped. So I would go into it and not try, conserve energy and just, you know, let, let the role happen to me. Obviously that got stamped out of me fairly quickly, I'd say. And uh, I haven't, I never, ever, ever do that even close anymore. Um, I'm, you know, always, regardless of the training partner, always, you know, rolling appropriately. Um, but yeah, I think that that's what it could be, particularly if Lucas is, you know, a, uh, you know, he's fucking hasn't, hasn't come into his physical prime yet. He's still like 16 and he's rolling with a hundred kilo black belt. He may have that maybe subconsciously, but he may have that, you know, um, the whole, like, I, I have zero chance of escaping. I have, I have zero chance of winning. So I'm, I'm not going to try. I'm just going to go through the motions. Could be that. Yeah, it could be a bit of that, you know. And, yeah, he's definitely, you know, over the, the coming years, he will change a lot, you know. Like another mm. example of that is Ben, right, yep. who, who we uh, lovingly call Psycho Ben in the gym, which to his face, right, this is not a behind-the-back thing call him psycho Ben. Cause when he gets revved up, he likes to go pretty hard. Yeah. But man, that like Ben's been with me since he was, I don't know, like 14 or something. And he's about to turn 18. The last wow. the, dude at this year's end of year party, he will like, this might be shocking to any Americans listening, but you can drink alcohol at 18 in Australia <laughs> at our end of year party this year. Like he'll, he'll legally be allowed to drink. That's like if, crazy, if, if we go to the pub, he can come. And that's crazy to think, you know, cause this, I, he, wow. I've had him since he was a 14 year old shy kid. Well, I've but known anyway. him for three years. I've known him since he was 15. That's yeah. Crazy. But it's over the nuts. last, over <laughs> the last two years, man, his physical transformation, like he, you know, obviously he's grown a bit, but it's not like mm. you look at him and go, oh, he's twice the size, but just how much stronger he oh, is. Yeah. Dude, like he's now one of the hardest people to submit in the gym. Mm. He's so resilient and so strong. Yeah. Right. And I mean, Lucas has got that ahead for the next couple of years as well. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I didn't want to talk about spazzy white belts because we've probably done it in the past, probably will in the future. You know, it's a dime a dozen topic, but yeah. I I just wanted to add on, like recently I've experienced – rolling with a very unique type of spazzy white belt. I don't know if you, you, you may have experienced this. I'm not sure, but 
I've been training at a gym that has an MMA program. And there's heaps of guys that come in, come to like martial arts these days and just go straight to MMA. They don't do anything. They don't do like striking and then, you know, do a bit of grappling. Then MMA, they don't like, they don't piece it together. I'm assuming that in the past people used to piece it together in stages and then put it together, if that makes sense. Like maybe do, um, you know, my, my initial plan when I joined jujitsu was to do, to get my blue belt and then start MMA. Obviously, oh, that's really? fucking... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I'm not sure if I ever you know, told you, but no, it, that, that no. plan fucking went out the window a long time ago. I'm like, nah, fuck that. Like pretty much as soon as I started to do something, like, this is way better. Um, but yeah, anyway, the point is that I, I've been rolling with a lot of guys that have done MMA for like six months or something, maybe even longer, but their their grappling is basic white belt level. And it's really interesting though, because when I roll with them, they are like stereotypical spazzy white belts, but worse because they're spazzy white belts with a little bit of, um, I'd say ego. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm not going to name any names, but I dare say they won't ever hear this. <laughs> There's this one guy. He'd been training MMA for a few months and he had a little bit of grappling knowledge and he decided to, you know, do the jujitsu class. It was um, uh, what they call in Sweden submission wrestling. So no gi, right? And, he was going hard with me. Like he was like, I felt like he was trying to take my head off and we're doing real basic stuff. And I mean, like good on him for, for giving a, a red hot go, but we were just doing like basic fucking stand up drilling. And he was, he was trying to murder me. So I'm like, all right. And you know, I, I wouldn't say like I pumped him, but I had to like, you know, reinforce the, the, I had to match his level, you know what I mean? And it, it didn't go well for him. He ended up, you know, yeah, anyway, I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but like, it, it, let, let's just put it like it didn't didn't end up well for him. I didn't hurt him or anything, but I just, you know, reinforced the, the status quo there. Yeah. And I, I don't know, man, I think that these MMA guys that, you know, know enough to be dangerous, and there was another guy that was very, very similar, just went fucking super hard, but had zero grappling. It's like, bro, what are you doing? Um, I th- they're, in my experience, they're worse than straight up like day one white belts. I've come across those sort of white belts a lot and I've kind of found the best way to de- defuse it or deal with it when it's someone who is treating the technical part of jiu-jitsu in terms of the learning the technique part, right? And we're not talking so much about whether to drill or not to drill, but let's for argument's sake, let's just call it like drill and a technique and the person's treating it like a role. Yeah, yeah. I've kind of say to them, the perfect analogy that I say is I go, man, what you're doing right now is, you know, your, your partner, pretend this is a boxing class. Your partner's got the gloves on. You're the dude holding the focus mitts for him. You know, like you're there to assist him learning how to punch the pads right you're not moving the pads out of the way and then punching him back in the face (laughs) like no no like like that that comes later and i you know because i say often i go man like look look how hard it is like if, if anyone's done a boxing class they will tell you like you know if you're relatively coordinated it's not that difficult to you know do focus mitt work and and bag work. I'm not talking at a professional level. I'm just talking about as in to, to punch the bag and the focus mitts, right? But you learn very quickly 
that when the other dude has gloves on, they're trying not to get hit and also hit you back. You all, you very quickly learn how hard it is to actually punch someone, right? It becomes very difficult. It's like, and it's the same in jujitsu. It's like, well, man, like it's, you're not doing the both of you having gloves on point of the training yet. You're the dude holding the focus mitts. Don't be that guy who goes, huh, missed it. <laughs> missed it. Like, like, no, that's not what you're doing, yeah. right? You're doing basic like jab, jab, cross, jab, jab, cross, hook, uppercut. Like you're just doing some combos, bro. Let the person work. You're there to help them. And I find that usually kind of helps deal with that person who thinks the, you know, the drilling technique and even whether it's drilling technique or whether it's like specific, whatever it is. But anyway, the person who's doing it too hard for whatever the parameters are, that yeah. analogy I find kind of deals with it. Yeah, it was very um, interesting. It kind of like uh, maybe this is definitely my ego talking and, uh, you know, it kind of pissed me off because I was like, mm. you know, I was going with him and I could tell that he knew a little bit about what was going on because we're doing some sort of like, um, you know, uh, uh, hand fighting to the back, right? And then instead of hand fighting to the back, he was trying to like blast double me. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, no, it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I had to. Uh, yeah. No, be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, don't don't be that dude either. Yeah. <laughs> all right. The um, next one that I want to mention. Okay, so this is definitely way more specific to to being a white belt, typically, and what you should not do. But we take for granted these things when we're at a certain level and you kind of forget sometimes that you need to tell someone this mm. when you're in someone's closed guard, bro, you got no attacks. Don't try to be choking the motherfucker when you're in their closed guard. Yeah. Now, yeah. before, before people come in saying like, yeah, but I saw, you know, this guy hit a no gears equal choke in the person's closed guard. I saw this person do this and that. And it's like, yeah, cool. It's the exact same argument as when someone says the whole like, well, fucking, you know, Bill Gates dropped out of college. You're like, yeah, you know who else dropped out of college? That motherfucker over there who's like, you know, picking up cigarette butts to put them together to make a cigarette, you know, like that dude also dropped out of college. Yes. I'd fucking, I, I, it's a unique time in the world to say that because nowadays it's all very college degrees don't really matter and blah, blah, blah. But you get the point I'm trying to make. I get the point you're trying to make. You ain't fucking yeah. Bill Gates is the point. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and there's, you know, there's times. Okay. Fuck. I'm a black belt. And if I was in a match and I'm in the dude's clothes guard, and I'm down by fucking 10 points and there's 20 seconds left. Like the chance of me like opening pass and taking the, you know, fuck, maybe I try something dumb. I mean, I'm going to lose anyway and maybe yeah. it pays off. So there's times, right, where, but, but yeah, you should that's, be focusing on that. You, you, should, you, you should be focusing on close guard. You don't want to be fucking reaching over to try and choke them with some dumb shit like that. Yeah. So for people who maybe newer people who might think, oh, but why? Well, firstly, let's make a clear distinction between jujitsu and MMA because this is another position that I often explain to people who come in 
from MMA or you ask someone that's their first class, their first handful of classes, oh, what made you decide to try jiu-jitsu? I watch heaps of UFC, blah, 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 blah. And I make a point of saying to them that, yeah, in MMA, close guard on top can be a great position. I mean, ground and pound, bro, right? But Mm. that doesn't exist in this sport. Right? You're not allowed to do that the same way in a boxing match. I'm not allowed to shoot a double on you unless I'm dealing Dennis and then I try. <laughs> unless I'm dealing yeah. Dennis, then I try anyway, like <laughs> fucking moron. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's a clear distinction. In jiu-jitsu, it's considered a neutral position, but it's only considered a neutral position because both parties can score points from the position. That's why it's considered neutral. Really, it's more favorable to the person on the bottom, right? So the person, because they have two options, really, the person on the bottom. They have the option of submitting you or sweeping you mm-hmm. or more like going to the back, but you get the point. The person on the top really only has one option, which is to open the close guard. That's the only thing you can try and do. When you start trying to attack someone when you're in their close guard, It's your two arms against what makes the position strong, their two arms and their two legs. So typically if you try to attack them, you've really only got like, yeah, you can reach for their neck or whatever, but you're going to extend your arms away from your body. And the cliche thing is you try to choke them and they arm by you. Okay, So if you're brand new to jiu-jitsu, this is – way more of a beginner mistake, but it's all too common. You see it all the time. And as I mentioned at the start of making this point, we sometimes forget how obvious, uh, how it needs to be said Mm. because we take for granted how obvious it is, but you see it when new people start, they do it, but they don't understand why they're like, but I'm on top and I, you know, gravity is, you know, working for me and I can, it's like, nah, bro, you're going to get armbarred, you're going to get your back taken, you're going to get swept. Your only priority in someone's closed guard, excluding Hail Marys, I'm about to lose 10 seconds on the clock, excluding I'm the Bill Gates of choking people when I'm in their closed guard, right? Excluding the most extreme examples, you have no job other than don't even think about passing their guard. You've just got to open their guard. Yeah, I would, I would even take this one step further and say that a very common mistake, particularly at the white belt level, is not only not not necessarily going for a submission, but trying to control their opponent. Say you're in someone's close guard. A lot of time, I see people reach out and like grab up near the head, or like drive their posture forward, like give their opponent their posture, like break their posture for them. Uh, if you if you get what I mean, and like reach up yep. toward their collar grip, get get like a high grip, extend their arms away from their body. All you're doing is exactly the same as going for a choke. You're you're separating your your limb from your body, and that's exactly what the person on the bottom wants. They want that separation. You need to, notwithstanding like passes that are done on their knees, but you need to fucking posture up. You need to keep your shit in. You need to you need to keep your elbows tight, your elbows in. Keep everything nice and tight. Posture up and open close guard. Don't be extending your head. Don't be driving your head forward. I see it like uh, not even just at white belt level, like blue belt level. Like it's, you know, um, yeah, it's it's a mistake. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Very, very common. And yeah, the, remember the clear distinction between being in someone's close guard for an MMA situation yes. 
and a jiu-jitsu match, right? The, the, the rules of the sport dictate how you, you know, behave in the sport, how you fight in the sport. Mm. And, yeah, the, the same way that boxers don't have to worry about someone kicking them in the head, we don't have to worry about someone punching us in the head. It's not within the rules, so it's don't even – if you want to have that conversation, go to the Beyond MMA podcast, right? Great <laughs> podcast, which <laughs> may or may not exist. I have no idea. I've never looked into it. Um, that leads me, though, kind of nicely into my third one, which is a mistake that for sure beginners make, but also more advanced people make, which is not restricted to close guard as a whole, just overreaching with your limbs, right? Overextending with your limbs. And you see this from all positions. So what do I mean by this? Well, the one that I see the most, and I'll talk about others, but the one that I see the most is when newer people, and by newer, you might be a blue belt because I deal with a lot of blue belts who still haven't found their comfort in open guard if you want more information about open guard and guard retention we've done episodes about that I, I can't recall the number off the top of my head but it can be it can be hard to find to feel comfortable in open guard and people tend to reach with their legs thinking that they need to essentially make a grip they need to make a connection with with their feet to their opponent, which results in you separating your knees from your chest, meaning you have, you're essentially doing a hollow body, which if you don't know is a type of abdominal, it's like the opposite of a plank, if you will. It's like an abdominal sort of hold. And you end up essentially doing a hollow body, giving all this space that people just push your legs to the side and then fill. So that's a very common one, you know, and another common one that, that beginners do is, when they get mounted, they overextend with their arm, trying to like bridge and push the person on top of them off, which results in the person on top just taking an easy armbar, right? Another one is, I see all the time, spider guard. People extend their legs for the sake of stretching the person out and causing discomfort, you know, but then you can't do anything from there. You've already maxed out. I always say it's like a boxer who's already extending their arm and then they want to throw the knockout punch. Well, how do you do it? You can't, right? Because you've already stretched the spring out. You have, you have no punch to throw. So, of course, there are times you extend. There are times you frame. There are, there are, you know, so I'm not saying never to do that. But <laughs> one of the guys I used to train with in Brazil, his nickname well, first let me paint a picture. He was incredibly hard to just as a whole get anything on him, like as a whole. There was never any space. There was never anything exposed. He was just incredibly hard to like to, to do anything against. He kind of felt like a, like very – this will be very Australian, but it kind of felt like trying to attack an echidna that was like rolled up into a ball, not because he was spiky, but, you know, there was just like no way in – Right. And his nickname because of this <laughs> was Fusquia, which means a, a Fusk, it means like a, a VW beetle, 
was his like the car, the old, uh, yep. the old like I don't know what year they yeah, were yeah, made, yeah. nineteen, like yeah, yeah, nineteen sixties or whatever. But yeah, essentially, yeah, he he, when you tried to attack him, yeah, he felt like a turtle who had gone into his shell. Right. Obviously, that's quite an extreme analogy, you know, like it's not like he physically just curled into the fetal position into a ball and just was like, you know, like he was doing a bomb into a pool and just like tucked in and, you know, obviously that's not what he did. But you know what I mean? Like there was like there was just nothing exposed, right? And yes, you do need to extend limbs and stuff. You, you know, you can't constantly have – your boxing gloves in front of your face, but also throw a punch at the same time. That's not how it works. But there's an overarching mistake that beginners make of overextending, overframing, you know, just framing for the sake of framing, mm. you know, because someone's told them that, man, you got to frame, you got to frame. Mm. And then they've taken that and run with it. And then they frame against any, everything, which just means they're overextending these arms and whatever. So, it's hard to give you a definitive when to extend your arms and when not to, but think about it like this. Unless you're implementing an attack, right? unless you're, again, the analogy, throwing the punch, keep your gloves on your chin. Keep, your, you know, keep everything nice and tucked in. And then they, yeah, they extend when you throw the punch, when you go for the sweep, when you do this, right? Obviously, multiple exceptions to all the rules in jiu-jitsu, mm. but it's definitely something I see a lot. And uh, I, it, I, it recently happened with a white belt student of mine, Andre. I don't think you've met. I think he started after you moved. He's the he's super super nice dude. Very similar build to to Chad, which you know, which obviously Kira knows what that means. But he's essentially like. Ripped and 92 kilos. He's an ex-professional football player, actually, like as in soccer football. He was a goalkeeper. And um, actually, quite quite funnily, had a similar career to Chad, uh, which uh, do you know about Chad's ex-professional history? Nope. No. So, so yeah, regular listeners will know Chad's a guy who's from Canada. We speak about him all the time because he's just like the loveliest dude in the gym. Um, but Chad was a, a goalkeeper in ice hockey and had a horrific injury where he essentially caught a puck without his glove on, essentially. Not without the glove on, but with the wrong – he lost his stick and then whatever and the puck was coming and he put his hand up and it like shattered his hand. And then, by the, and then by the time he recovered, like he was well replaced. Like he was – it was too late, you know. Mm. The team had moved on. And Andre had a similar thing where he was a professional goalkeeper for football, for soccer, and he had an injury. I can't remember what the injury was, but he said, he was telling me the story and it was even faster, man. Like he was in the hospital, like, a, like on the operating, like waiting to go in for surgery. Like he's on the stretcher or, or gurney or whatever it's called. He's about to go in and then he gets word that he's already been replaced, you know, like just like fucking instantly and then so he moved on from the sport. Yeah. But Andre, I was training with Andre. He's very strong, very fit, very capable, still has that professional athlete mentality. But he was just framing so hard mm. and just like holding me up for no reason. And obviously like, you know, I'm a black belt training with a white belt, so I'm not just, you know, helping. He's my student, right? 
But then like after it, like I didn't jump on arm bars or anything. I just like ground him down. I was like, okay, like we're doing whatever it was, a five minute round. So I'm just going to essentially let you bench press a hundred kilos for five minutes. Like, and then what we got a few minutes in and he was just like, Oh, like, you know, or like whatever it was at the end of the role, he was like, man, like I just couldn't keep holding you up. And I was like, yeah, no shit. Right. Like, of course you can't keep holding me up, you know, like, you know, like, you know, frames serve a purpose, but this overextension of your arm and this commitment to framing, you know, like frame, make the space, but you got to do something with that space. Mm. Don't you like, what are you a piece of scaffolding? Don't just hold me up to hold me up. You know, like <laughs> yeah, you're not a structural wall in a building, you know, but um, yeah. I, uh, I, I think it's similar to people like, you, you know, you don't necessarily need to be on bottom either to, to have this problem of overextending or like leaving your limbs out. I was saying on the podcast like uh, weeks and weeks ago that at the the gym that I'm at, I've noticed a trend amongst the lower belts that people leave their elbows open a lot. Oh, um, this led you down the choy bar. Yeah, choy which bar led me down the choy bar, which makes the choy bar a lot easier and, uh, you know, different variations. This trend still hasn't gone away. Um, people are still doing it. And I, I trained with one guy in particular. He, uh, his name's Filippo. I think I've mentioned him in the, in the past. I, I know that he listens to some, the podcast sometimes, but he's a ex, uh, well, not ex, he's still, he's a ju- judo black belt. He was in, on the Italian national team, uh, like ranked in the top 10. So very, very, very high level uh, judo black belt. Uh, he's a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and like an incredibly good blue belt because of his his past experience. He's incredibly good. But the main problem he has with his jiu-jitsu is he's a top player. So he plays on top pretty much predominantly. It makes sense, right? Judo guy gets the takedown, ends up being on top 99% of the time. But he leaves his elbows open immensely. Do you remember when I was first learning... Um, pressure passing, right? And I was getting caught in triangles over yeah. and over and over again. I was getting caught in arm bars, in triangles. And it just, it seemed every day I was like, it, it, it became a fucking joke. Like, oh, today it was only six triangles. Today it was only five triangles. <laughs> you know what I mean? But now, now I very, very rarely get caught in triangles. I, I find the exact same thing is happening with Filippo. Constantly when I'm rolling with him, I get a choy bar entry, an arm bar entry, a, uh, even just the shoulder crunch on him. Uh, to the point where you get sick of going for him. Exactly. Because, yeah, yeah. and I feel like I want, so, I want something different on this. Dude. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> he feels like I can see the frustration. Like he's, and I know he's not frustrated at me. I know he's frustrated at himself. And I went through the exact same thing, but I'm, I'm relentless. I'm constantly taking his elbow because he leaves them. Not only does he leave his arm extended, but he, he has his arm bent and his elbow is open when he's trying to pass. Because he, in his in his own words, he feels strong in that position, and it makes sense, like biomechanically, sort of. But you just cannot do that. You cannot leave your elbows open like that when you're passing. You are going to get kamoru. You're going to get armbar. And funnily enough, he, yeah, it's like that he, sort of. Sorry, yeah, it's like that. I guess he's making that, like you said, biomechanically, or is at mm-hmm. least associating with the second half of like a dumbbell fly, where you're like. You know, that sort of like strong position, but his elbows are flared out to Mars and back. Yeah. Yeah. And recently we competed and I was watching him in like the the quarterfinals or something like that. So he he did really, really well. Um, And he was, uh, you know, rolling up against this guy and the the guy went for a, that Choi Bar entry 
like literally the what I've been hitting on him like five times a fucking roll for the last month leading up to this comp and uh he said to, and i saw it and i was like you better fucking not you fucking <laughs> you better not get submitted that way because that was like what we were focusing on almost exclusively did, before did he did he get out yes he did he got out and he said to me after it he was like did you see that i'm like yeah and he's and he said that he all that was going on in his mind he doesn't care if he wins this match he doesn't care if he loses the match he just refuses to get submitted this way because uh, of what what I would say to him, like what I would do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I cannot <laughs> do this in front of Kieran. I cannot, <laughs> you know. It's like fair enough, bro. But the the point is that not only is it, you know, you you shouldn't be trying to hold someone up and framing on the bottom, like the classic, you know, holding up their entire weight or whatever in in mount or cycling or whatever it is. You also need to be aware on top. You cannot extend your arms or leave them open because they will get taken. Yep, yep, 100%. Yeah, you can be on top and get shotgun armbarred by Mika Galvao because oh, yeah. your arms are too extended. Yep. yep. Um, all right, so next one is one that for peop- anyone who's listened to the majority of our episodes for sure would have heard, so definitely a bit of regurgitation for Kieran. But this for sure, let's say f- just for the sake of picking a belt, Purple belt and below. I see this all the time. Roll with your instructor correctly. Mm. I hate it when lower belts. I don't hate it as in I like you know get upset about it. You know I hate it more for for what they're doing to themselves. I hate it when lower belts don't roll with me properly. You know like because of this unspoken rule of not messing with the status quo of the gym and not wanting to look like you're trying to beat the instructor or whatever, man, it's absolute garbage. Like if you're my student and you're a white belt with one month experience, two months, six months, one year experience, I don't care. I'm not by any means saying I'm the best, you know, athlete, black belt, jiu-jitsu practitioner in the world. Of course, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that it would be even the Bill Gates of white belts, I would be embarrassed to lose to, you know, like, I mean, I'm pretty confident that I can handle myself and let, you know, like, okay, maybe, maybe if John Jones puts on a gi and he's a white belt might be a problem. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like, man, if you're a white belt or blue belt or something, I I can handle you at your 100%. I don't mean like, as again, doesn't have to be a comp role or being spazzy or whatever. Like, but I mean, like, don't as your black belt coach who's a hundred kilos and you're the seventy kilo one stripe blue belt, don't roll with me the exact same way that I see you roll with the. 50 kilo female who's doing her trial class. Like, Mm. I mean, like, man, one, because yeah, I can handle it. Don't worry about it. But more importantly, and this is why I hate it because I more get upset about what they're doing to themselves. And again, recently I had this conversation with a new white belt who joined the gym. And I said, man, if you don't, you know, for lack of a better term, put your best foot forward, 
like how can I help you? Like, I mean, yeah, obviously I help you by you attending classes, but when I roll with you, it's such a great opportunity for me to get a, a real hands-on insight to where your jiu-jitsu's at. But I can only do that if you roll with me normally. Just imagine I'm a stranger who is the same belt color as you. Mm. You know, because if like, and I think I've given this analogy before. Imagine I'm, you know, the the head chef of a restaurant. You're the apprentice apprentice under me. And I ask you to prepare a dish and you put it forward and I'm like, it tastes like shit. And you're like, yeah, but like I, I didn't even cook it properly and I didn't bother seasoning it. I'd be like, well then like, what, like I can't help you become a better fucking chef if you don't actually try, you know? So like roll, roll with me properly, bro. You know? So, and also connected to that. Sometimes people, they say to me, I hear this all the time. Oh, but, you know, I saw there was a triangle and I thought, oh, he's a black belt, so he's got to be baiting me. I'm like, I get that, you know, but we're not on the comp stage where this next level strategy is taking place. Just just roll normally because you don't know my objective in the role. Yeah. And, and one way I explain this is I go, well, if I'm rolling with a blue belt student – and I give them a triangle and they take it, right? Or maybe I didn't give them a triangle. Maybe they legitimately had a six set up and they threw up a triangle, right? Whatever. I'm in a blue belt's triangle, a student of mine. This happened recently. I was in a blue belt's triangle and I did zero. And when I say zero, I mean 0% effort to not get tapped or to escape the triangle. Only effort I put in was continuing to breathe. I'm not exaggerating. Like I'm not exaggerating. Like I did nothing, right? And they and they couldn't finish it. So I'm like, well, okay, that's not. I'm not making fun of my student, but I'm like, okay, this is a this is a tangible experience where I've learned. Hey, my student's got this sick triangle set up. They threw up this wicked triangle, but oh, fuck, their ability to finish it needs some work because I didn't even try and they couldn't. Or, you know, and that bleeds into was maybe I give. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, 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 no. no. Uh, Chad, Chad can't triangle, bro. <laughs> I watched Chad lose a triangle last night, though, but it was against like 110 kilo dudes. So, like, was it, was, it was just pretty rough. Um, uh, yeah, and we're, actually the dude he did it on was a bit new. So there was a moment of like, fuck, is this dude going to pick Chad up and slam him? Because he doesn't Ooh. know that you're not allowed to slam. But nothing, nothing went wrong. No one got hurt. Um, you know, or I give them a triangle and it takes me 80% effort to escape. I'm like, well, fuck, man, this dude's triangle's getting good. Or I give him a triangle and I can't escape and I tap out. I'm like, fuck yeah, man, this dude's triangle sick. Like, or at least his finishing mechanics are sick, mm. you know? So you don't know my objective. Like if, like, okay, there's, you've rolled with me multiple times. I'm not someone who like, I don't really care about winning or losing in roles particularly, you know, like, yeah, I mean, obviously anyone who continues jujitsu, I've said this heaps of times, anyone who continues jujitsu as a, not necessarily as a career, but if it's something you dedicate 10, 20 years, it becomes 
your thing in your life, you have some level of competitiveness in you. Even if you don't compete, you have some level of competitiveness in you. The same way that when you sit on the couch with a friend and play Mario Kart, you want to win. You know, you have some level of competitiveness. But as a whole, like I, you know, if I lose a role, maybe I'm upset, but I don't really care. It's not like I, I'm like operate in this gym of like, I can't let any of my students see me concede a single point or get tapped by any, you, you know, like that's just not how I train. Um, so like if I'm training with you and you're a blue belt, purple belt, and whether you pass my guard or you feel like I let you pass my guard or it like, it doesn't matter. Just continue to like fucking take it. Let's say I did let you pass my guard. Well then punish me for it. Maybe I'm wanting to see your ability to keep me inside control. I did it recently against a black belt, like 120 kilo black belt that people were saying was super good. And like, I let him mount me like three times and it was easier to escape his mount than a blue belt student of mine. You know, that's <laughs> anyway, like, so even if I did give you side control, like funny fucking punish me for it. Like, like take it, you know, like, and as an instructor, the competitor in me will be upset if you beat the shit out of me, but like the, the coach in me, will be super happy and super proud. Mm. So I, I believe to say about this though. Well, yeah, I was going to finish it off with saying that not all instructors think the way I do. There's plenty yes. of instructors that if you, you know, if you dial it up, so to speak with them, they're going to like intentionally beat the shit out of you and maybe even yes. intentionally hurt you. There are heaps of those instructors are a dime a dozen. Yeah. And not but, even just those instructors, the <laughs> upper belts, like there are a lot of, you know, yeah. Purple, brown, black. If you're a white belt listening to this and then, you know, the advice is to roll properly, go hard. And then, particularly if you do that against certain personalities in your gym and you'll know who they are, you'll, you'll learn very, very quickly. Um, you know, if you say, say for example, you are a white belt and you do try to go hard against your instructor or hard against, you know, a purple belt or whatever. And they see that as a challenge, you know, as like a, Oh, okay. It's, it's on then. And then they fucking spend, you know, the next six minutes just making your life hell and just absolutely punishing you. A lot of people, have had that experience. So they applied that to, to everyone. You know what I mean? And a lot of lower belts yes. would have that experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a hundred percent true. I mean, and even that's part of the sport though, is what I, I also don't necessarily disagree with that as being like, I'm actually fine with it operating like that, to be honest, mm -hmm. like in a competitive aspect, but absolutely. You need, but that. You I need, think, that. yeah, but, the point I'm trying to make is that if I were to ask you, let's say you you walked into a gym or if I, if I showed you a photo of a, a gym full of all the members of the gym, let's say there's fucking 100, 200 members of the gym and your, you know, your typical jiu-jitsu uh, photo, your head instructor's in the middle of the photo and whatever, and I say, hey, this is a gym that you're going to join and train at. I want you to pick the one person in this photo who should or does have your best interests at heart. Like, should it not default and be the fucking instructor? Absolutely. Like, of fucking of course. So, like, what I'm saying, it's, like, potentially not applicable to if you're the blue belt and you're rolling with that purple belt, 
Maybe not, right? There's the the competitive aspect of the sport and he's going to want to put some smash on you and it's got to be a case-by-case basis. You know, you should, you know, you got to know how you can train with who. Mm. But I think it seems to me so obvious and ridiculous to say, but I know it is not obvious because of my time in the sport. But for me as an instructor, I can like, you know, cross my heart and hope to die to all my past, present and future students. I personally have your best interests at heart. And, you know, I want you as an instructor, I want you to roll with me properly because it's how I can personally help you the most. And I, I believe all instructors should adopt that mentality. A lot don't, right? Yeah. But I, I think, yeah, like I said, take a photo of a gym. Like if anyone in the gym is going to have your best interests at heart as a student, it should be the head coach or like the coaches, right? All the coaches, yeah. So when, when a coach doesn't look after you, like it's yeah. one thing if a other member or another competitor, colleague, training partner doesn't give – and I was like that coming up through the ranks. Like I didn't give a shit. I was like, well, you know, I didn't want to hurt anyone. Or it's like, but okay, I'm going to win. I don't care what belt you are. Like I'm fucking yeah, smashing I'm you. <laughs> but, you know. But I'm the same. Well, uh, yeah, well, to, to an extent. Obviously I'll let people work when, when they're very new, but, you know. I want people also, to roll with me properly as well. I want people to roll properly. But also for me, I think it – at least in our gym, it creates a nice enough environment that those students who can push me harder, I think they respect that, which has also created an environment that like they're okay. Like in our gym, there's a lot of those cliche rules that we don't follow, like the whole, oh, you can, can't ask a higher belt to roll or whatever. So I have white belt, white belt to ask me to roll, right? And it's fine. I don't care. Mm. But I think those students who push me harder, because of this relationship that's been created, they're also more okay when I say to them, like last week I literally just flat out said to both Eric and Casper, two really big dudes in the gym, I just flat out said, I was like, man, I don't want to roll with you guys today. I was just I was like, I just wasn't having it, you know, because yeah. the, at the same time, I'm happy for people to like bring it and whatever. I also don't fly this flag of, you know, like anytime, any place, oh, fucking smack. You know, it's like, I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not up for it today. You know, like I don't want to, because I've created a relationship where they, they're more than welcome to fucking bring it. And, you know, it was the end of my – they get to walk in two days a week and train. I'm there fucking twice a day. I was like, nah, man, I'm just like <laughs> I'm not well, up I'm for it today. Excuses, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty much the, the picture I'm painting, that I've created this environment that people buy my excuses and it's working out great for me. <laughs> and if, if I- <laughs> man, I don't know. I fucking – I love it when a – like a keen, like, you know – keen white belt comes up and asks me for a role because that you, you can tell they want like a you know they want a harder role i fucking love that and then they come at yard like it's it's great it's like a yeah there's nothing but it's, it's really good i like it the the last thing i'll say on that in terms of like liking it there's nothing more satisfying than getting the second tap on a revenge roll the best the best feeling the best second tap on a revenge no, like roll. as in you you roll with someone and you tap them and then they yeah. come at you with that like oh yes. okay here it's we on. go yeah. and then you tap them again you're like yeah. fucking got you I even had, when I had that you recently <laughs> I had that recently lovely guy really 
I don't want to describe him too too much detail because you know, people know who it is. But a uh, really, really lovely guy, white belt. Um, you know, we're rolling. I got a, a really nice Choi bar and I, and it didn't hurt him, but it like, you know, it came on quick or whatever. And he was, you know, we, we exchanged a little bit of words. He was not happy about it, but then he just came at me like super hard, you know, and was like super assertive, like get up and, you know, cause we're starting on the feet. He's like, get up, you know, all this sort of shit. I'm like, Oh fuck, here we go. <laughs> came at me super hard. So I'm like, all right. And I, <laughs> Two quick subs after that, just fucking demoralized. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. All right, bro, let's yeah. go. I fucking yeah. love that. I love it when they, they get mad because they just like lost or whatever. They got subbed and they come at you really hard and then you just smoke them again. That's yeah. the best. I mean, That's the ob- best. it's good when, you, when it works out for you. It sucks when someone – it's one thing to come hard, but sometimes you get the wrong individual and they come to intentionally hurt you. That's oh no, yeah, that's yeah. that's no fun. I don't, yeah, I don't want to deal with that shit. You shouldn't but, train. Like you know. I, I have rolled with people like that. That I know if I get them, particularly, it, it's always the upper belts. It's always someone high rank. If I, if I do catch them or I do sub them, then I'm. They're going to ensure that they try and hurt me or like do anything yeah. to get the sub back, no matter the cost. You know, like I'm talking ripping submissions, just being super aggressive, knee on the throat, like really, really aggressive, dirty jiu-jitsu. And to be honest, I don't mind it. Like I I don't mind it. Like there's a lot of people in jiu-jitsu that they play a bit too soft in my opinion. Like uh, at my gym, uh, my training partner, Filippo, he was told not to go for Ezekiel chokes because they're, you know, nasty or whatever. And I'm like, no, fuck that dude. Like go for a fucking, don't listen to those people. Go for an Ezekiel choke. It's a legitimate choke. Like I, I use it. Uh, yeah, I posted recently the lapel Ezekiel that you'd yeah, be very that. familiar yeah. with. Yeah. Um, if people yeah. don't know what I'm talking about, it's on my Instagram, mm. but it's also um, it's on BJJ Fanatics. I recorded it with Bernardo like mm. fucking years ago, but also Andrew Wiltz or Andrew Wiltsey, however it's pronounced, mm. did a did another awesome explanation of that exact same Ezekiel lapel choke yeah. on BJJ yeah. Fanatics as well. Wicked choke. And I posted that on Instagram, and someone someone commented like, "Is that legal?" Yeah, and like I didn't I didn't want to call them out, being like, "Of course it is," but like I guess maybe newer people don't know, you know, like because it does look a bit nasty. It's 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 essentially a gi version of a punch choke, kind of. It is a punch choke. It's exactly what it is, and and this is this is the sort of thing that. But to say to not go for it is 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 is, ridiculous. So I told him straight up, I was like, no, fuck that. Don't listen to him. I don't care who told you that is dumb. Do it. And then I shit you not, like the next week, he got the deepest Ezekiel on me. And I was so stubborn. I didn't tap. And he was cranking it for like a while. Didn't tap. I got out of it. And my throat, I shit you not, is still sore two weeks later. I haven't told yeah. him because yeah. I was in <laughs> Yeah. yeah <that laughs> Karma, right? I, I deserve it. But yeah. I mean, it's, I'm totally okay with it. Like absolutely zero animosity, totally fine with that. So the point I was trying to make is that I don't mind dirty jujitsu as long as it's safe. There's a, you know, you can do dirt, like air quote, dirty jujitsu or rough jujitsu whilst it's still being safe. Like the butcher, butcher choke, for example, is a classic example of a dirty submission, but it's totally fine. I'm a hundred percent on board with it. Uh, and for those yeah. that don't know, it's literally like using your knee in their throat to submit someone. Yeah, knee, shin um, in their throat. I'll give mm. I mean, on that, I did that to you once just for the sake of wanting to catch it. And I, I don't know if you remember, but the second you tap, I then spent like two minutes apologizing. 
yeah, which I knew, I knew, I knew you weren't upset about it. Oh, but I was upset about it. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, similar to that, we <laughs> actually, you don't know this story. So a, a couple of weeks ago, sometimes on like Fridays or Saturdays or whatever, it's a, it, whatever, whatever the day or class is, but it's uh, a situation that calls for perhaps a more casual class, right? And I went around the room and I asked everyone what their favorite submission is. Right. And, you know, uh, rear naked choke, triangle, whatever it was. And then I said, okay, cool. So everyone's got their favorite submission. Sweet. We're going to do however many rounds it was. If you get caught in your favorite submission, if you get tapped by your favorite submission, you got to do 10 burpees. <laughs> right. Just for a bit of, just for a bit of fun. Yeah. And so Nicholas, who's a small blue belt, he picked smother choke. And I was like, uh, oh, you motherfucker. And, and, I don't. I may have spoken he about this the on game. the on. Well, he didn't know that was the game, right? Oh, like he, okay, he just okay. said smother choke. Like I didn't tell them that that's what the consequences were going to be. I just was like, "What's your favorite choke or submission?" And um, John Danaher does a really good breakdown of of smother choke. But long story short, no, it's not this new submission that's going to come. The new heel hook. It's essentially just a way to create discomfort to force reactions. So you can take something else. The only way you ever get a tap from a smother choke is if you're of a much higher caliber than your opponent, which is, you know, unfortunately feeding into Gordon Ryan, but it's why you see him, you know, get them sometimes. Um, but, you know, he didn't get Pedro Marino with one, right? Like, so it's it's usually, it's just something to force discomfort, force a reaction. So I was with Nicholas and I was like, fucking hell. But, you know, I got 40 kilos on him. And he's a blue belt, but he was, and Nicholas, as Kieran would know, he's someone who he doesn't, he doesn't tap shit pops, right? Nicholas waits for shit to pop, never taps. Then you let go because something popped and he says, it's fine. happens all the time. Comes in the next day with it strapped. That's his jam. Anyway, <laughs> I smothered. <laughs> so, so, I was, so I was like, fuck, I've got a smother choke him. So I smother choked him, bro. I had like, bite marks not bite marks i should say he didn't try to bite me but i had <laughs> i had teeth marks on my chest because obviously oh. his his mouth got caught open and mm. i'm smothering him and he's like smooshing his nose and he tapped and then it was similar to the butcher choke i spent so many minutes being like i'm so sorry dude like i really didn't want to do that like you know he, and he was fine with it this is again mm context right i know how i can train with i spend every day on the mats with my students i know who i can do what with so he wasn't upset right but like i was upset i'm like i'm so sorry blah 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 and he's like oh my i could feel my nose getting smushed and i'm like it only worked because i've got 40 kilos on you like you know there's there's no way and so yeah that's from your butcher choke story reminded me of that what is your favorite submission Sorry, drop my pen. Um, drop your pants. Love it. <laughs> um, my favorite gay submission is probably either that lapel Ezekiel or a bow and arrow choke. My favorite, I mean, I really like triangles too, but like, I mean, I think probably my favorite gay chokes are, yeah, bow and arrow and that lapel Ezekiel. My favorite no gay submissions would be either 
uh, probably a toss up between the straight footlock we were talking about last week, a DAS choke, or a rear naked choke. I mean, I nice. mean, rear naked, rear naked choke's hard to go past. It's kind of like saying, "Oh, what's your favorite dessert?" and someone saying, "Fuck, it's very hard to pass up chocolate." You know, it's like yeah. so yeah. versatile and it's everywhere, and you can do it. Like, obviously, different, but you know what I mean. It's just like it's a staple. It's hard to. So, if we ignore rear naked choke just for the sake that it's a it's a gimme, mm. I would say dust choke and straight foot lock. Nice. However. I've recently gi and no gi. The way that I've been doing my sort of passing system, I have been wrist locking a lot of people. <laughs> like, not in a dickhead way. They get plenty of time to tap. No one has come back with a sore wrist or a strapped wrist. I think I know but, the position um, that you do it from as well. It's like that but, side control. Yeah, side control or half guard on top, even. Yeah, the like only switch base side control. You saw eggs, a bit. Yeah, yeah. The the um the what are they fucking called? Oh my god, I'm drawing a blank on the when you are the arm over the, the arm over yes. back or the the yep. reach over back grip. Yep. I forget the fucking term they use for it. Yeah, I know exactly the position because you hit one just before I left. Yeah, but you know That's the only so people I typically don't tend to catch with it are people with hyper flexible wrists. Mm. Or people who, which I guess is connected to that, people who do a lot of wrist work. So, for example, Joey, one of my black belts, and from from um, Joey does from Jungle Brothers. Joey does a lot of like handstand work. So he does a lot of those sort of like lot of wrist mobility for handstands, a lot of like push ups on the backs of your hands. So his wrists are super flexible and strong. So unless they're sort of like a handstand person or a hyperflexible, I haven't heaps of success with it, but I wouldn't I probably it. put it into one of my favorite submissions. Yeah, like it's favorite from a troll point of view, I guess. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. yeah. My, uh, my favorite in gi is that there is like not even, it doesn't even come close. Bow and arrow choke is by far my favorite submission in gi. Like head and shoulders above everything. It's my highest win percentage in competition in gi. It's, it's, so good. I love it. I fucking yeah. love it. It's so satisfying as well. Yeah, um, such a good choke. So much torque in a bow and arrow. Incredible amount of torque. If, if as long as they don't slip their head out and you, you know, your, your grip is deep enough. Hey, someone I know posted an Instagram video about how to never lose a bow and arrow choke. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I love it's it. Jordan and, teaches jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Uh, anyway um so i actually like the setup i don't know if you do this um it's kind of like a little bit risky but really fun and a bit you know it's fun is setting it up from uh like a turtle position when they're in turtle if you can and you have one hook in you can roll them over the top like do a rolling um bow and arrow instead of doing the rolling back take you do a rolling uh bow and arrow over the top it's, it's yeah. super, super. Yeah, cool. I haven't, I haven't done one of those in a long time. Actually, yeah, it's a great, great entry to it. Yeah. I predominantly set it up, like I mean, for those who don't know, it's normally set up from tactical mount. Mm. Is the standard spot. I, I have a setup that I do from the back that is mm. quite sequenced in a, mm-hmm. in a particular way for a particular reason. But, yeah, the turtle one's super nice. It's way f- I mean, it's not like some uber flashy move, but it's, it's flashier. Flash. 
Yeah. yeah. I hit it in a comp and it was it was pretty flashy. I and then also what's your favorite set it up note? from the back. Like I mostly set up the bow and arrow from the back rather than I t- tactical mount is the best way to get it. Um but I Well, I, I disagree. I think the back's the best way to get it and I don't want to go into it because it'll be way too would spend 40 minutes trying to visualize the way you do it versus how I do it. So it's something we can sidebar well, for when we're in person, but I'd be interested less to risk s- of them getting out. If you set it up from the, that's back, why I do it from the back. I found a way to have like zero risk, almost like 99% minimization of risk of them getting out. Okay. I'm, I'm then, keen to see that. And then what's your anyway. favorite? No geese submission. Ignoring, ignoring uh, RNC, rear naked choke, because obviously, like like you mentioned, it's, it's, a yeah, it's hard to get past. It's a given. Yeah, it's a gimme. And that was my immediate response, you know, to this question previously. But thinking about it, I know that chokes are more effective and are higher percentage. I know that. But I really am really digging heel hooks at the moment. Um, I'm so bad. Like, I don't care which variation, inside, outside, you know, I like... I like heel hooks. I just find it very, very satisfying catching a heel hook on a leg locker, someone that knows what they're doing. If you get it on someone that, you know, doesn't do any leg locks at all and they like, you know, you can tell because they're looking at their leg with fear and like confusion and they they like uh, panic tap when you haven't even gotten anything. But if they, if you can tell that they're defending properly uh, and then you still get it, it's super, super satisfying. I really like heel hooks. <laughs> yeah, it's, I know this is like the 10th time in this episode that I've mentioned someone commenting on one of my posts but like i um again one of the videos i did was about just a tip for not losing the knee line in leg entanglements and you know in the gym i'll play legs all day but by no means is it my forte and by no means do i have a body type that is designed to go into that sort of game the reason being, for those who have never met me in, perp- in person, I'm fucking huge and I can point my toes like a ballerina and there is still a massive heel that you don't even have to dig. Like it's just there, right? Like you, it's very difficult to hide my heels because my feet are so big. Um, and <laughs> so I haven't replied to it yet, but on the video of keeping the knee line, someone commented something along the lines of like, <laughs> good luck with those heels in a shootout. <laughs> It's just like, yeah, that's exactly what happens. I get in a shootout, I lose every time. (laughs) And a a shootout, you know, for beginners is a position where both heels are available for attacking. Like think about a position like 50-50 where it's, you know, it's a race to see who can get the the submission first. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I I was actually using you as an example. Do you remember when you were trying to – figure out what was going on with your uh anytime you in 50 50 or an outside ashigarami and you were asking like we went through a bit of a circuit was just before adcc trials and we went through a bit of a circuit where you're asking like craig you're asking uh lachlan all these people on on how to address that position because Mm. of uh you know the fact that you have such fucking big heels you are losing those shootouts and they pretty much both independently told you to come on top but I think it was Lachlan that really Lachlan Jars that really broke it down. Um, like the come on, yeah. So they both they both sort of said so. Lock no, it was more the other way around. Lockie, as a just to give it in one sentence, was yeah. It's like the whole leg lock game is not great for people with longer legs or for people with bigger feet. You know, it's it's 
uh, you know, it's not even it's not even a case of like it doesn't it doesn't extrapolate on a scale. So it's not like when I'm then with Eric, the big guy from the gym who's same size as me. It's not then that oh, because we're the same size, all things are equal. It's still kind of like well, both of us have massive heels that can be dug at any time. So me and Eric against each other is in a leg lock game is not great for neither of us versus two dudes the size of Mikey Musameshi, same weight division against each other. Like both of – it's not like because they're the same weight, they're catching each other's heels as easy as me and Eric can catch our heels. That's not how it works, right? Because like it's – I don't know how to – not smart enough to put that into like really articulate words, but – it's almost like it has a diminishing returns on 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 your size, right? So it's just as easy for me to catch Eric's six foot four heel as it is for Mikey to catch Eric's six foot four heel. It's just as difficult for Mikey to catch Gabriel Souza's heel as it is for me to catch Gabriel Souza's heel. Like you know, so so. Lockie's advice was essentially like, yeah, the leg lock game is not great for the longer legged, taller person. And then Craig's advice was similar in the sense that he, I think it was uh, the question I asked Craig was more specific to a certain position. What position was it? I think it was 50, 50. Okay. Yeah. And I think his advice was essentially like, yeah, well you want to come on top and essentially ballerina foot to get out. of Like you don't want to be in 50, 50. You're the bigger dude with the massive fucking heel. No. Like, so both of them had this sort of the backbone of their answer was not great. If you got fat feet, if you got flipper feet, no, nah, no, nah, like no, no, no good bro. But yeah, I mean, obviously in the gym I play it cause it's fun and whatever, but, you know, definitely wouldn't go into my my favorite submission. It's just like not great for me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the comment on my Instagram was hilarious and very accurate. Um, all right, so I have uh, one more, which is I know that one went on for a while, but the last one. For those who forgot, we we're talking about not rolling with your instructor properly. The last one, and again, more of a beginner one, is essentially poor hygiene. Don't be that dude. What I mean by that though is you could do, again, a whole episode on poor hygiene. Oh, clip your nails. Oh, like don't wear – Wipe your ass. You know, yeah, yeah, like or we spoke your, about at the start. Yeah, yeah, have a shower after you take a shit, you know, all this stuff. But more for beginners, I just want to point out that sometimes new people to, to the sport – don't realize some of the unspoken rules of hygiene that go into it. So I've seen a lot of students and I've sold a lot of geese to students or whatever who let's say they've got the bug and they want to train heaps and I've, you know, and I know that their their only exposure to jujitsu is me, right, or my gym, and I saw them at 7 a.m. at that class where they bought their first ever gi and then trained in it and then turned up at the lunch class in the same gi. And I'm like, 
Mm, Hang well, on a minute. I mean, well, I usually tell every single person I sell a ghee to, don't put it in the dryer because it'll shrink and not even if it doesn't shrink, dryers break down fabric. The only yep. students I've ever had who have had their geese rip beyond it being a three-year-old ghee, right? The only students I have who have had their ghee rip after six months are people who put them in the dryer. Don't put your ghee in the dryer. And it's like, how are you here already in that same, you know, like <laughs> a lot of new students don't realize the hygiene that goes into it. Bro, mm. you wash your ghee. After every class, like it seems bizarre to think that you have to tell people that. And I was listening to Craig and Lockie on the El Segundo podcast the other day, and they were they had they were having a similar discussion about how you know these what what you know the classic saying common sense isn't all that common, yeah, you know. But it's like, dude, imagine like imagine wearing your rashi a second time without washing it. It's fucking disgusting. Whoa. How imagine I imagine you'd be able to get it on, it would be wet. Yeah. Dude, imagine imagine going for a jog, just a jog, just you go for a run, 20 minute run, 30 minute run, whatever. And and then that same t-shirt you wear the next day. Like, yeah, you let it dry, but then you imagine no. Like you'd go for a run, your shirt would get sweaty, you'd put it in the wash. Right? Like, fuck. Yeah. It's just and, you know, so some so Poor hygiene. I don't want to say, like, I'm not saying people are dirty, but sometimes people don't realize that it's like, yeah. man, like this is like equipment that you're exercising and sweating in, not just your sweat, other people's sweat too. And that's you know? how you and while, fucking spread ringworm and shit. That's how you get ringworm and staff. I mean, everyone has staff on their skin, but, you know, that's how you can yeah. unhygienic places are more prone to get a staph infection. Yeah. Um, and on that note, God, I'll do a video about this one day as well. Like, like wash your belt too. You don't have to wash. Like, okay, maybe not every time. It'll leak my but, powder. But like, yeah, that's right. You know, I always say, you know, people like, oh, you never wash your belt. Tradition this, tradition that. You know, it's like, well, you can't fly the flag of jujitsu being the most like realistic, non-bullshit martial art, and then also fly this flag of, but if I wash my belt, I lose my powers. Like, it's like, yeah. well, you can't have both. What are you, a fucking um, Power Ranger? Shut up. Yeah, me personally, I pretty much like, you know, I train Monday to Friday. It used to be Monday to Saturday, mm. but I now train Monday to Friday. So usually on Friday, I throw my belt in the wash with my gi. I wash my belt every single time. Do you? Yep. Oh, there you go. I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that too. Yeah, your belts get gross too, man. If you're training enough, like hard enough, your belts get gross too. Okay, my wife just gave me a look. Sometimes she washes it, but it gets washed. Okay? <laughs> it may not be me, but it gets washed. And actually, funnily enough, when I, when I uh, you know, people that have listened to the podcast long enough, they will know this story. But when I came to Sweden, my bag was overpacked and I uh, had to throw some shit out. And one of the things that got thrown out was my gi. Uh, very sad. So my gi is in a bin in Sydney Airport somewhere. Uh, probably long gone by now. But um, I, so the first, one of the first things I bought when I was here was a gi. Even with my training that it, that it was at, I was not struggling, but sometimes, you know, uh, my gi was a little bit damp between, you know, when I had to put it on. So I, I, I even had to get a brand new gi. So now I have two. So if you're training more than like twice per week, you need two gis, man. You need two gis. 100%. If, it's yeah. more two, two, if you're training more than two gi sessions per week, that is. Yeah. Like I was yeah, getting yeah. away with just two because it was two gi and one no gi. But now that I'm doing more, I'm training like you know five times a week and most of them are gi. I had to, I had to get a second gi. Like you have to rotate them. It just yeah. it has to happen. 
Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, just be aware of the amount of hygiene that needs to go in it. Yeah, we could do a whole episode on hygiene. You need short toenails. Like, I don't want to say, like, you have to shower before you come to class. Like, I mean, it depends on how, for some people, you would say yes. But for people who live a relatively hygienic life as a whole, like maybe that's not necessarily applicable, but you know, you know what I mean? Like All right. if, if you're eight hours on the tool on jackhammers, like as a, con- on a construction site and then rock yeah. up to the gym, you're probably fucking pretty gross. It, it is a little bit grubby the when you see someone show up to the gym, they have like dirt and shit all over them. You can tell they just came from work. They're a laborer or whatever. They work in construction or some shit. Um, you know, they're a tradie. And then you're like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? Like there's showers at the gym, guys. Just fucking no one's going to bat an eye. You duck down, have a quick tubs, have a quick shower, and then come in halfway through the warm-up. I'd rather you do that. You know what I mean? If you can't get there on time. Um, you know, most gyms have showers is, is all, yeah. I'm, all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that is that is pretty fucked. Not going to lie. Yeah, it depends on the individual. But, yeah, like uh, multiple. Yeah, well, mul- well, I don't know. Like, <laughs> fuck, like, but it also depends. Like different people, like – shower at different points okay, in the day that, or that's in a their question life. For you. How, you know, how, like, how many times per day do you shower on a regular basis? Me Are personally? Are a once per day person? Yeah, I am. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a once per day and I shower. I'll, t- I'll tell you why, right? I'll, I'll give you a few reasons why actually. I shower before I go to bed because I can't, han- I can't oh handle any sort of like, I can't get to sleep with any sort of like that's that feeling of I'm sticky. I Bro, can't. That is so gross. I know people that shower once per day in the morning. They don't shower before bed. No, that see, is that's fucking gross. disgusting. Like, if, like that's, that is so disgusting. If you are that type of person, I don't. I don't care if I'm hurting no. your feelings. You're a grub. That's gross, man. Yeah. Like that's but fucking I, gross. But I mean, unless it's like crazy hot summer in Australia or something, like I'm not someone who then like I don't shower in the morning because I need to. Like if I had some big. Important- Do you know how much you sweat though when you sleep? Like maybe a little bit, but I'll also give you another reason why it's perhaps like culturally, not culturally, maybe it's not the right word, but uh, due to where I grew up, maybe. So I grew up in uh, in a near in the hinterland of a place called Byron Bay, which for Australians they'll know where that is. It's a very famous tourist town in Australia. But I grew up in the hinterland, and it's not on. Like it's tank water, meaning you have a tank. Water restrictions. And if, well, it's not even about water restrictions. It's like if it doesn't rain and rain doesn't collect on the rooftop of your house and drain into the gutters into your tank, you don't have water. So as a, as a, as a kid slash teenager, I went, there were times we, we did have a swimming pool growing up, but there were times where I went as a, a, a young teenager, like weeks without a shower where my parents would say, just go for a swim for your shower. Cause it was like, like we didn't, we didn't have water. Like there was, there was no, like there was, there was, it was like, well, we can use the water to shower or drink, you know, like it was, Why don't you didn't, you know, and in the, the shower, bro. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does it take a genius you know, or what? <laughs> you know, like we, like there were times where like you couldn't even, you couldn't even flush the toilet because there was no yeah, water, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. so like if you had to pee, you went outside and peed in the, in the bush because there was no, there was no fucking water to flush a toilet, right? So yeah, it was kind of, of like, tree, yeah. So I guess it was kind of like maybe years built into me of like, 
Okay. Minimizing that the amount sense. of time if, spent in a shower. If you are a one-a-day shower person, it has to be of an evening. Here's another question that is going to... But, but sorry, sorry to interrupt though, before you label me as some stank-ass motherfucker. So yesterday, for example, I um, went for a run in the morning and then was going to the gym at night. So I went for a run in the morning had a shower after that run. Yeah, of course. Because yeah. I didn't want to hang around you all day being gross and sticky and stinky and then went to the gym yeah. at night. So there's yeah, times I shower fine. multiple times fine. a day. But Sometimes I shower yeah. three times a day. I shower in the morning, shower after exercise, and then shower uh, after the, the gym of an evening or shower before bed or whatever. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's, a, you know, that's standard. And I know that's a little bit privileged. Like, you know, obviously you need to have the water for that. But he, here's, here's a question that's going to divide the room. How often do you change your bed sheets? Ooh, well, I think that question is better answered by, you know, how often did I change the bed sheets when I was single versus being married? I want to hear both. <laughs> I want to hear both. Um, I'm, I'm aware that the majority of the population does not change them as often as they should be changed. I couldn't give, I don't know, man, fuck. Like, I, I don't know, not, not as often as they should be changed. Okay. But- I don't know. So like, my wife, my wife has gone into like. I also, I also currently guys. have a have a young toddler who, on sometimes, I could change the sheets, and the next day my toddler like is sleeping in my bed, and you know he pisses the bed, and it's like yeah. sheets are getting changed. You know, so yeah, 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 sometimes, sometimes the needle swings very far to the other way. Yeah. Okay. Notwithstanding there being literal human urine in in the sheets, but um, so I have even when I was single changed my sheets at least once per week they they actually recommend what? you change at them least twice once a week. a week at least they no ain't no ain't nobody outside the military changing their sheets twice a week bro ain't the nobody. recommendation is to change them twice per week that is the i mean recommendation. It, it makes sense i don't disagree with that being but accurate I, I have met but i'm just that don't change their sheets in like three months or like yeah literally. i think that's very if common you, if you change yeah. your sheets once a month that is fucking disgusting bro like that is so gross. Do you have any idea how uh, much you sweat? I'm not even a clean freak. It's just like, you, that's like well, telling someone you what? don't wipe your ass. You're that's not, like you're taking not a, a shit and not wiping your ass. It's the you're same not, you're not, thing, bro. You're not a clean freak, but you're definitely a bit more grossed out by hygiene stuff than other people. I've seen yes. you react to, <laughs> to, to fingernail clippings. Bro, you know, like. bro, what the? F- okay, don't bring up the fingernail incident again, okay? That is disgusting, man. Like... I think I'm not disagreeing with like your from a scientific conversation in terms of when sheet should be changed. I'm not disagreeing with you at all, but I'm definitely also saying I don't think that's how the majority of the population no. works. I think no, I, I think I don't understand dudes I th- that like if you're single and you change your sheets like when you remember once every three months or something, how could you ever like you know I, I'm assuming like if you're if you're that type of single and you're having people over, how could you live with yourself? Like that is. Like that is disgusting, bro. Like you're I sweating. I think that's and your honest, dead skin flakes are in your sheets. Like, oh man, that is know. how a lot of people operate. I'm telling you, I know it is, how. and it's fucking gross. Like, even right. my wife has got in full blown, like not arguments, but like discussions about this with her colleagues that are yeah. all female, by the way, and they don't change the sheets. Like, you know, once a month, they're like, "What? You change your sheets once a month? Like, what the fuck? You're disgusting." Anyway, uh, sorry. yeah, yeah, it's uh. 
Look, everyone, change your sheets more often, everyone, all right? Kieran will be happy. Um, <laughs> let's move on. So, <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, Very passionate about this. So, I'm going to go into my something interesting, all right? Okay, let's hear it. Mine is very, very boring. Incredibly boring. <laughs> it's but maybe I, something interesting, bro. Not something boring. Yeah, but I feel like I did all right the last few times. So I just <laughs> I wanted to and just no, but this is just a little bit of a um a very for for newer jujitsu people will be like, oh, I didn't know that, but it is nothing that interesting at all. So you reminded me of this when you sent me a photo of a white belt. And I was like, where did you get that from? Because we were talking about belts and whatever. And I was like, where did you, where, like, why? It was in a, in a plastic packaging, like a brand new white belt. And I'm like, where did you get that? Why do you have that? He's like, oh, I got a new gi and it came with it. And I was, and it just reminded me, a lot of people wouldn't know this, but back in the day, and that's, it's not like I've been around for that long, but let's say 10 years ago, whatever, like uh, early, mid 2000s, like early 2010s or whatever, all gis that you bought, when you bought a gi, they always came with a white belt. Mm. And that's just like not how it works now, right? Now you get a gi, you get the gi. Maybe. But people might not know that, that originally every single gi you bought, so you, so if you were someone who trained a lot back in the day, you could quite quickly have like three, four, five white belts or something. It depends how many gis you had or, mm. you know, how addicted you were to buying gis. But every <laughs> single gi you bought, came with a white belt yeah there you go that was literally my something interesting but you just That's reminded the first me of it when yeah i mean well god i i mean i don't give i, I don't sell my geese with white belts like why you know you that's your profit margin yeah but it also makes no sense when you stop and think about it when you know how jujitsu works you're like it makes no fucking sense Mm. like what like why would why would every you know like imagine if every computer you bought as in like a PC came with a monitor, you'd be like, what? Like that doesn't even, that doesn't make sense. You know? but, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, statistically speaking, the, you know, who are the most likely people to purchase a gi statistically is white belts because there's more of them. You know, white belts make up, you know, and not all yeah. of them stick around. A lot, some people just try it out, train for a month and then fuck off, but they still bought yeah. a gi, right? There's so many of those. There's millions of people like that. So most people that buy a gi, are statistically white belts and every single person that trains jujitsu was a white belt once and bought a gi. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a little rant. All right. Well, that was quick. That was, that was, yeah, mine was super quick. I told you was phoned in bro. Okay. Well, my something interesting is not to do with jujitsu as is my, um, it's usually your shtick. Yeah. My shtick is something completely random and it's, I don't know if something interesting, but, um, I just wanted to bring it up. Have you played the board game Catan? No, I don't even know if I've ever heard of it. I highly recommend that everyone play Catan. It is with a K or a C. It's a C, C C-A-T-A-N. Now it is basically, it's pretty old now. Like it's been around for a while for my own. Definitely, definitely never played this. I, I, I saw it on YouTube a long time ago. There was like, you know, you know how sometimes random videos just pop up. It was one of those random fucking had nothing to do with anything that I'm interested in. Random video about some guy that won a Catan competition or something. And he was like a, you know, whatever. And I, I watched it and it was super interesting. I'm like, oh, that, that, that board game seems interesting. Now, a friend of mine, Martin, shout out to Martin, who trains at uh, my, my gym here in Sweden. He, uh, 
he invited me and my wife over for a board game night and we played guitar. And I shit you not, it is so much fun. It is like, it's super easy to understand. Uh, it's not like, you know, you know, when you go to play some board games for the first time, uh, particularly games so, like this, so complicated that you're like, oh my God, like, you know, the, it takes a, over an hour to explain the rules. And by the end of it, you're still confused. It's like, wait, does the little goblin go in the hole when I have the pixie dust or is it, you know what I mean? <laughs> like never roll an eight. What what happens to the, the troll under the mountain? And, you know, shit like that. It's, it's not like that. It's super basic to understand. Like, you know, kids can play it, but it's, and it's skill-based. But there is a chance, like uh, there's an element of luck with the roll of the dice. It's think about it like a what's standard the, tabletop game. What's so, the minimum amount of players? So you can play one versus one. Um, so it is one versus one, but it's best played with four people. It's the ultimate is is uh, it's designed but it's, to be but played it's not, with four. But it's not teams. It's not two versus no, two. It's, it's everyone's no, it's individual. All, all individual. And the basic concept is it's a game about building settlements and collecting resources. So there's no fighting. It's just. Um, uh, collecting resources, right? And there's four different resources. Super basic to understand. You know, it sounds lame when you're like, oh, how can a game about collecting fucking resources be fun? But it is so much fun. So much strategy. Well, you know, it, it's it's brilliant. You can play it online as well. Um, and ever since I played with Martin, because um, we played with Martin's wife and 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 me and my wife, um, it you know, because it was the four of us, I've been playing online on because you can play it on like a online version. If you go to Colonist, um, dot io or, or i think it's yeah colonist dot io you can play the game so you don't need to you know you can play versus computer so you, just to learn it so you don't need to have a physical copy of the game it's online and i've been playing so much of it online i didn't want to mention this because i didn't want martin to know because i want to like verse him again and, and <laughs> come back with all the strategy um, but even my wife loves it and she's been playing it online as well and she's yeah, well, like not someone that plays games yeah well for the australian listeners like a quick google says you can get it at Kmart and Target. Oh yeah, so yeah, they're, yeah. They're local local chain stores here in Australia. So uh, yeah, well, Kmart's Katan. American, but uh, oh, is it? Yeah, well, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. American, I guess. But, I mean, yeah. we I mean we have them in Australia, I guess. Whereas Walmart, we don't have here. You know? Yeah, we don't have. Like, but um, Target yeah. is American. Kmart's American. Um, oh, well, then I think Big W is the only Australian. Uh, yeah, right. Which we don't have many of. Yeah, no, because. So. Anyway, so if you go to colonist.io, it's it's you know it's free to play. Um, it's super fun. You play versus bots to learn the game. I just I wanted to put it out there because I hadn't played it before. I played with Martin, and now that I played it, it's so so fun. And uh, yeah, that's that's way more interesting than than a white belt with your geese. But um, but <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, that was heaps of fun to go over those, uh, to have like a nice longer episode, go over some bit of banter over those five topics and, you know, go get yourself uh, a set of Catan. And then all you need after that is to find three friends, which you probably don't have if you're still listening to this episode. But <laughs> <laughs> good luck. You know, guys, thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.